1 Thessalonians chapter 5. Let's begin in verse 14. And I'm going to read down to verse 23. Now we exhort you, brethren, warn them that are unruly, comfort the feeble-minded, support the weak, be patient toward all men. All of you join in with me on the odd verses, okay, starting with verse 15. See that none render evil for evil unto any man, but ever follow that which is good, both among yourselves and to all men. Rejoice evermore. Pray without ceasing. In everything, give thanks, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you. Quench not the spirit. Despise not prophesies. Prove all things. Hold fast that which is good. Abstain from all appearance of evil. And the very God of peace sanctify you wholly. And I pray, God, your whole spirit and soul and body be preserved blameless unto the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. Do you all see the description of God in verse 23? He's the God of what? Of peace. He is the God of peace. Father, I pray that through this message that you would use me this morning to help our church. Lord, you've, I, I just want to pastor them today. I just want to love them and I want to help them. And I, I pray, Father, whatever they're struggling with, whatever they're going through, whatever they're dealing with, Father, that we are able to find rest in you. And so I pray that you'll use this morning, the message this morning to minister to us. Speak, Lord, to every heart today. Lord, and, and you, you know what we need. And so I pray that we don't, I pray, Lord, you help me not to preach what I want to preach. And I help you, I pray that you'll help us to not hear what only we want to hear. I pray that your spirit Trust in the Holy Spirit, Father, that it would guide us, both me as the speaker and everyone as the hearer, to exactly what we need from you today. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. I have a question for you. Do you want me to preach with this face or preach with this face? The paper one, he says. Hmm. Hmm. Do you want me to, let me, let me put it this way. The fake face or the real face? Okay. Then I want the same from you. Ah, amen. The same thing. All right. Listen, I, I don't have time to be fake. You don't, you don't have time to be fake. You don't have time to hear fake and just want to be real, right? Um, listen, I realize this morning that a lot of people struggle with a lot of things. And I'll be the first to tell you, so do I. Struggle with a lot of things. And uh, uh, there, there's always things going on. There's always things to do. People feel overwhelmed. Uh, anxiety is a real issue today. Um, I, I, will, I will be honest with you, on Friday, on Friday just, it, it was some kind of week this week, just with the, 
uh, ministering and things going on and all the things to do. And, and sometimes that overwhelms you a little bit. And just being, just being transparent here, I was on the verge of having my own panic attack on Friday. I just suddenly just felt overwhelmed and started struggling. And I just had to stop what I was doing and start praying and turning some things over the Lord and just saying, God, you just, we, we just can't do it all. Can I get amen there? You just can't, you just can't do it. And, and you, you can't meet everybody's expectations. I can't meet my own expectations. And you just, you just can't. And I've been thinking about this for some time. I've been rolling this over in my head about what it is to have real peace. Everybody wants to have peace. Don't you? Everybody wants to go through life with joy in your heart, and is that, that's the fruit of the Spirit, right? Love, fruit of the Spirit. Joy, fruit of the Spirit. Peace, fruit of the Spirit. Those are all things that we desire. And even trying to do spiritual things, if we're not careful, we lose sight of why we're doing those things, and suddenly, suddenly we start using this phrase. Well, I have to go visit this person today. You see what's wrong with that? Right? Oh, I have to, I have to go to church tomorrow. Oh, I, I have to read my Bible this morning. I, I hadn't done that. I have to read my... When we get to the point where we say, I have to do something because that's what I'm supposed to do, does it not become a job and a responsibility more so than you're doing it with joy? So the better term is what? I get to do this today? I, I have this joy, this opportunity to do this today? You know, those little things, they, they matter. If we listen to ourselves, we'll catch ourselves doing that sometimes. Out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaketh, right? I thought about that. God is a God of peace, right? Now, he's a God of wrath to all those who deny him and reject him. Not dealing with a God of wrath today. He is the God of peace. Paul is writing here to the church. He, we start in verse 14. He mentions them as brethren. So he's writing to the church family. And he finishes up verse 23 talking about the God of peace sanctify you. All right? It's the God of peace who sanctifies. It's not, it's not Pastor Clemens who sanctifies you. It's not Somerville Baptist Church that sanctifies you. It's not my job to sanctify my children. Whose job is it? It is the God of peace. What is it to have peace? What is that? Is that the absence of problems? I, I think in our head, that's what we think it should be. For me to have peace, it means I'm not going to have any trouble. And I'm not going to have any worries or concerns. But did Jesus not say, in this world you shall have what? Tribulation. He says, the God of peace says, you're going to have troubles. Who's writing this? The Apostle Paul is writing this, right? Did he not have troubles, Ricky? He had plenty of troubles. Read through the book of Acts. We've been going through the book of Acts. We're going to plan on being at the end, finish it up chapter 19 tonight. When an uproar happened in, his, in, in, the, in the town of Ephesus where he was worshiping. 
as a believer who is trying to serve God, I don't, it's hard for me to look at an uproar as being peaceful. So my, my question is this, how did Paul find peace? How did Paul have peace? How did Jesus, who went to the cross, how did he have peace in that situation? I don't think that Jesus was filled with dread. I don't think in that moment when he said, Father, forgive them, they know not what they do. He did not speak with an air of cursing. He had peace in that situation. How does he have that? I want to know because I want that in my everyday life. I want to be able to face trials. I want to be able to face hardships. I want to face difficulties with, with a peace of God in my heart. I, I have noticed this over many years of ministry and visiting with families who have lost loved ones. I have seen the families handle that situation better than perhaps some friends, co-laborers, and other people. And the only answer that I can give for that is God is giving them something in that valley that it's hard for everybody else outside of that to recognize, to understand. He's given them a peace in that, a comfort in that. He's a God of peace. I believe that we put ourselves in situations that we create great burdens upon our life. And we have this expectation that we're supposed to meet. I'm pretty hard on myself. I don't know about you. I, I have always been pretty hard on myself. Um, as a, when I was in school, I wanted to do better. An A wasn't good enough, let's get it higher. A, in sports, I want to be better. Always pushing to be better. To be better. As a pastor, I want to be better. I want to love our church. I want to love the Lord. I want to be a faithful example. I want to be better. If we're not careful, if we're not careful, we begin to burden ourselves with feeling that we're never good enough. Can I get a witness out there? Does anybody else ever feel that? You're not good enough. I'm never a good enough Christian. I'm never a good enough church member. I'm never good enough. And so because we begin to feel I'm not good enough, I don't want everybody else to think that about me. And so I've got to hide that somehow. I don't want everybody else to, I want them to think that I'm good enough. So I cannot let you think that I'm not good enough. So, so what do I have to do? And we all know this is fake. And it never helps the situation, does it? It never helps. It never helps the situation because in your heart, you know this isn't real. In my heart, I know this isn't real. It's the last time I'm going to use that. 
No, it's not real. So, how can I get to that place where I can be authentic in my worship with the Lord? And not always feel this burden that I have got to meet someone's expectation or someone's standard. How do I get to that place? How can I get to a place where I believe in my heart that God truly loves me? Well... Let's break this down. Paul's mentioned here in this letter that we need to be authentic in how we treat other people. He he starts in verse 14. Now we exhort you, brethren, warn them that are unruly. Warn them that are unruly. Okay? I'm going to go through this quickly. Wednesday night I went through it all in more detail. Warn them that are unruly. Someone who is unruly is someone who is out of line. They are getting out of line. In a, in a, it, is, it is referring to a soldier who starts marching to the beat of his own drum rather than fall in rank. He is, he's going to do it his way. And when you begin to do life your way and it becomes contrary to the word of God, then then your friends, your brothers in Christ, have the responsibility to come alongside of you. And the word warn there is to warn gently. Can you say that with me? Gently. All right? To come alongside of you gently. Put put your arm around them. Sit down with them. And say, listen, I'm concerned about you. I, I noticed some things, and I just wanted to clarify, and I wanted to help you before you got too far out of line. Can I get an amen? I want to help you before you get too far out of line. And I just wanted to, be, I, I want you to know that I love you. Now, sometimes what people do is when they see somebody's acting unruly, boy, we want to lay the hammer down. We want to embarrass them. We want to, we want to set a... We want to set the tone for everything. Don't you do this. Don't anybody else do what he's doing. But Paul is saying we need to gently come along them because we love them and we want to help them. Everybody got that? Now, what's the the, the next thing he says? He says to comfort the feeble-minded. Comfort the feeble-minded. I I was saying on Wednesday night, we, we look at that phrase and we think, oh, bless their heart. Those are some silly, dumb people. But that is not what Paul is talking about. He is talking about those who are low-spirited and faint-hearted. Have you ever been low in spirit and faint-hearted? Listen, Lynn, I don't care how strong you are in the faith. If you live for the Lord, Paul said, all those that live godly shall suffer persecution. And if you're living for the Lord, you're going to take some punches. You're going to take some hits. So people's going to say some things that you can say, oh, that don't bother me. I'm going to, I just want to live for Jesus. Baloney, it does bother you. It does weigh on you. Are they right? Maybe they're right. Why did they say that? Why did they act that way? 
Where are they at? What's wrong with them? Punch, 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 punch. They get feeble. They, they, they're faint-hearted. They're low in spirit. And the last thing that... The last thing Darren Tucker needs from me in that moment. Darren, how long have you been saved? Since you was 13. That's been a long time. Been in church for a long time, right? Right? There's really probably nothing that I'm going to come to Darren Tucker and say that he doesn't already know. Yeah, preacher, I already know that. I know that. Well, you need, you need this right here. I know that. What he needs is somebody to come along who loves him and offers some comfort to him. Darren, I just want you to know I love you. And I want you to know I'm praying for you. And if there's something I can do for you, I want to be there for you. That's comfort in the faint-hearted. That's being genuine. You know what's not being genuine? Talking about the faint-hearted. Gossiping about the faint-hearted. Oh, I bet they done messed up. I bet they are in some kind of sin. I don't know what's wrong with them. They just need to tighten up their belt and quit their whining. That is not what he is speaking there. Being authentic in our Christian life, comfort the feeble mind. Then what does he say? Support the who? The weak. Do you, remember, do you remember what you were when you got saved? I promise you this, you weren't very strong. You were weak. Very weak. You had your idea of what a Christian was. And you made lots and lots and lots of mistakes. Didn't even realize you were making mistakes. Yet somebody had some grace in your life who loved you right where you were. And continue to pour in the word of God and continue to pray for you, to continue to help you and minister to you and, 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 and do different things for you that encourage you to get you where you are today. The weak don't need us. They don't need our uh, personal motivation to be like you and I are. They need someone who supports them and cares about them. Do you, find the, do you find the theme in all of this? Who loves them where they are. They really, they really don't need to put the mask on. They're struggling. And if you can't be real in church when you're struggling, where are you going to be real at? Now, here's the next question. Why can't people be real in this place? I'm talking about any church anywhere in the world. This ought to be the most supportive place that anybody can ever come to. They should never, we should never be able to come and feel like well, I can't, I can't let them know that. I, I can't let so-and-so know that. Somewhere it's gotten off base a little bit. Support the weak, he says. Then what does he say in verse 15? Render unto no man evil for evil. 
but, every, but ever follow that which is good, both among yourselves and to all men. I need forgiveness, don't you? People need forgiveness. God help us if we're ever at a place where we want to get back at others. Oh, man. God, did you know what they did to me? God, pour your wrath out on them. Where do we get to be judge? Where do we, if Jesus said, I didn't come to condemn but to save, why do we feel like we can condemn? Amen. So he's, he's speaking there. Check your motives, your relationship with people. Don't be the individual where if they do this for me, then I will be good for them. I will be good to them if they're good to me. If they're not good to me, I don't want anything to do with them. That's not being authentic. That's being a fake Christian. Hello? It's being fake. I'm saying be authentic. Now, let's look at the next point. Be authentic in how we treat others, but let's also be authentic in how we, our attitude toward the things of God. Look in verse number 19. He says what? He says, quench not the spirit. Every person who is saved has the spirit of God indwelling them. Aren't you glad of that? Fruit of the spirit, love, joy, peace, all of these nine things. He mentions all of these things, faith, gentleness, long-suffering, all of these things that we want in our life. He says, quench not the spirit of God. To quench means to extinguish. There is a fire burning within us. There is a passion burning within us that we want to please God, that we want to live for the Lord, that we want to serve others. There's this fire. But if we're not careful, Casey, if we're not careful, we allow our flesh, our flesh to quench the spirit. I don't want to live for the Lord right now. I don't, I don't, we, we quench that. We, we put that aside because right now we want to live for our flesh. I, I know this isn't, I, I know that I'm not supposed to do this, but I don't really care what God thinks right now because I want this. And we, what happens when we do that? Some of that love goes away. Some of that joy goes away. That peace goes away. There is some of that stuff that we want and desire in our life, and it's just it's being peeled away because we are quenching the Spirit. He says in the next verse, verse 20, he says, Despise not prophesying. Love the Word. Love the teaching of God's Word. Love the preaching of God's Word. Listen, he's listing these things, and let, let, me, let me get to this. Paul, it is not his responsibility to stand over everybody and say, Are you doing are you doing A? Are you doing B? Are you doing C? Are you doing D? Because if you're not, boy, you need to get you need to get right. Let me explain to you my relationship. I'm going to start with my boys. Claire's still young. Let me talk about my boys. 
I want them to become young men who love God because of what, because of who God is. Not because their daddy told them they need to love God. Okay? I want them to love the Bible because they love God, not because their daddy tells them you need to be in the Bible. Everybody follow me? I, I, I want them to have a prayer life because they know God can answer everything. God can meet every need in their life. I want them to have that prayer life, not because if I don't, my daddy's going to preach on me, my daddy's going to get upset at me, my daddy's standing over at her shoulder watching them. I want them to genuinely want that relationship with the Lord, not not because they want to please their daddy. I'm talking about being authentic here. We have panic attacks spiritually. We have these burdens in our life spiritually because we feel like we never measure up because somewhere along the line somebody says, if we're not doing this, this, and this, we're not measuring up. And we live defeated and discouraged. Defeated and discouraged. And and suddenly coming to church becomes a burden. Getting the Bible becomes a burden because we're trying to measure up to what we, some expectation, rather than just being authentic in our relationship with God and just saying, you know what, I want to do this just because I, because God loves me and I love him and I want to, I want, I want to grow in him. That's my motivation. I just want to grow in him. He says, despise not prophecy, despise not the preaching, the teaching of the word of God. Despise not those things. Quench not the spirit. He he mentions in the next verse. He says in verse uh, 21, prove all things, hold that which is good. I want to know. I I don't want to just hear what somebody told me. I want to prove this. I want to know it's in the right spirit. I I want to learn and to grow. I I mentioned on Wednesday to be a Berean and not a Laodicean. Okay? I, I really want to grow in my faith. He's encouraging them to do so. And then verse 22, abstain from all appearance of evil. All right? I I have responsibility as a dad. Son, you don't need to do that. You don't need to be there. Okay? I mean, I'm I'm telling you, because I've seen it, I've heard it, I know what happens. I'm telling you, you don't need to be there. Because if you're not there, it can't happen to you. Okay? If If you do this, all right? I've had this conversation many times. If you do this, this is what it's going to look like. And you've got to be concerned with your testimony. How is your testimony going to be affected by this? If you do this, this could happen. This could happen. This could happen. This could happen. Now, it's your decision. It's your decision. I just want you to be able to make an educated decision. And it's always their decision. Because they need to be able to do that knowing that their father and their mother love them. Amen? Just being real here. Abstain from all appearance of evil. Well, 
if I do this, what is, I, I'm always worried about what other people are thinking. I'm saying be authentic. Let's not worry so much about what everybody else is thinking. Let's just be worried what our Heavenly Father thinks. Just, just stay with that right there. I'm going to stay away from it. Don't let it be your motivation. I'm going to stay away from it because Pastor Ricky says so. Or, or Brad Hill says so. There you are. We'll stay away from it because I don't want to disappoint Brad. Just focus on the Lord. Let that be your motivation. Now, let's wrap up here. How do we do that? How do I have peace? I want to go back to the middle there. Verse 16, 17, and 18. All right? How can I have peace? I want to, I want to be authentic in my spirit. What does he say in verse 16? Rejoice evermore. What is that? Rejoice always. I say an authentic believer is someone that has lots of joy. Rejoice evermore. Paul said in Philippians, rejoice always. And again, I say rejoice. You know he was in a prison cell when he wrote that, right? Boy, I think about this. I think about Paul in Acts 16 when the Philippian jailer come in there. The Philippian jailer who was responsible for putting him in jail for doing nothing wrong, responsible for all the whippings and the lashes that he had for doing nothing wrong. And that jailer comes running there and says, hey, what do I need to do to be saved? I've heard you. What do I need to get what you have? And Paul lovingly, because he knows the God of peace, and he's rendering unto evil unto no man. He just says, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and thou shalt be saved in thy house. Boy, that's genuine, isn't it? Rejoice. How does, how does Paul, one of the most convicting passages, verses in scripture, spoke to my heart a number of years ago. Paul was writing to Timothy in 1 Timothy chapter 1 and verse 12. Would you turn there with me for just a moment? You're so close, I want you to see it. You're in 1 Thessalonians. You got 2 Thessalonians and then 1 Timothy. Look in verse 12. This was so convicting to me. He says, and I thank, I thank Christ Jesus our Lord, who hath enabled me for that he counted me faithful, putting me into the ministry. Why was that so convicting to me? Because I thought of all of the beatings and the whippings and the jail time, everything that Paul had gone through in his life. And he's encouraging this young Christian who's following him in the ministry. He says, man, I thank God that he put me in this job right here. I'm thankful for every, I'm thankful for every cut, every scar, every blood that was shed. I, I'm thankful for all the prison time that I did for doing nothing wrong other than giving people Jesus. I'm thankful for all of this because God, God saw something in me. God loved me. And he called me. He put me into this ministry. He saw me as being faithful. That he could give me the responsibility to tell other people about Jesus Christ despite what he knew what I was going to go through. 
I thank God for that. Man, is that not a good-spirited believer? There is some authenticity to that right there. I, I, I tell you, and, and, and most of our time, is our heads are down and we're discouraged over every little thing and we're troubled and, and we're trying to meet all these expectations and all of these people and we're, and we're trying to get all of these things right. We're trying to make sure I'm doing everything right that, that is an appearance. And Paul is just like, man, from appearance, everybody would think that I am out of the will of God because nobody in the will of God is going to go to jail. Nobody in the will of God is going to get beaten for their faith. Nobody in the will of God. Everybody from the outside say, man, that guy did something wrong. He is out of the will of God. God doesn't love him. I'm trying to, we're, we're trying to meet all these expectations of what people think. And Paul is just like, man, God sure is good to me. I got a reason to rejoice. I got a reason to praise the Lord. So I was thinking about that. He's the God of peace. God of peace. He wants me to have peace. I believe that I will find that my life is a whole lot better than I thought it was if I find reasons to always rejoice. Y'all ain't listening. I am trying to help you because I love you. We will find a lot more peace in our life if we find reasons to rejoice in the goodness and faithfulness of God than if we're always finding reasons to complain and whine because it wasn't what we expected it to be. That will help you. That will help me. Rejoice always. Always find a reason to give praise to the Lord and rejoice in his goodness. Amen. Rejoice. Do we even know what that looks like? Do we even know what it is to rejoice? Isn't it, isn't it amazing that we live in the most powerful and provided for country in the world? And we're struggling so much with depression and mental health issues. Isn't that a... Think about that. Because things can't give you peace. Life situations is not what brings you peace. Peace comes from something deeper within. And I'm calling us to go deeper. It's deeper within. Is God good or is he not? Is he good or is he not? What does he say? Look on, look on down just a little bit further. He says, I'm in first. Look down at verse 24. Faithful is he that calleth you who also will do it. He is faithful. You know what? Next Sunday, I may be different in my spirit than I was this Sunday and the next, and you'll be the same way. We'll be, we'll be different in our spirit. But you know who never changes? He never changes, Aubrey. He's going to be the same next week, right? Always going to be the same. 
rejoice. Then he says nextly, next verse 17, he says, pray without ceasing. Pray without ceasing. Now we can talk about what that means. I'm just going to sum it up with this right here. Get to a place where you recognize I am completely dependent upon God at all times. Get to a place where we need God's help and we are dependent upon him. And we're looking for the Lord to help us in every situation. Get to that place. If I get to a place where I believe in my heart, Jackie, if I get to a place where we, we believe in our heart, God is with me today. God is faithful. God loves me and God wants to help me. And there's nothing that I'm going to face today or I'm going to go through today that God isn't, doesn't have more power to overcome. Somebody's praying without ceasing. All right? God has, more, God has more power. He can overcome it. And therefore, it's, right now, I feel overwhelmed. It's too big for me. I am losing my peace because I am overwhelmed with the situation. And I just want to get to a place where, God, God, I need you. I need you to help me. I can't. I can't do it. And I know that you love me. And you're my father, and you can say that I can come boldly to you and ask for grace in time of need. You have given me that promise. You've never changed. You're the same today, yesterday, and forever. I believe that, and I'm coming to you, and I'm just saying, God, I, I, help me. Help me to deal with it. Even better, deal with it for me. Pray without ceasing. If I... If it's all dependent upon me, I will get to a place where I struggle. But I can find peace when I recognize God always wants to be there. And then lastly, he says in the next verse, Rejoice evermore, pray without ceasing. Verse 18, in everything give thanks. For this is the will of God concerning you. In everything give thanks. I will have more peace in my spirit if I find reasons to rejoice, if I give it all to the Lord constantly. I'm in fellowship with God. God, help me to get through this. God, help me with this. God, use me in this. Lord, thank you. Thank you for the life that I get to live. Thank you for the Bible I get to read. Thank you for the church that I get to worship in. Thank you for my church family who I know loves me and are supporting me and are comforting me when I'm struggling. Lord, thank you for my job. Thank you for my home. Thank you for my country. Lord, thank you for your faithfulness. Our peace does not come from our situation. It does not come from things. It comes from our relationship with God. Throw the mask away. You don't always have to. Here's what I'm telling you. You don't, Jeremy Parker, you don't always have to feel like it. It's okay. I don't always feel like it. 
You don't always have to feel like it. Sometimes you feel overwhelmed. It's okay, we all feel overwhelmed sometimes. Sometimes you feel like I don't measure up. It's okay, none of us do. That's what we're coming together for. None of us measure up. Sometimes I have a hard time loving myself. It's okay, God loves you. And I love you. Let's get to a place where we rest in the Lord. Rest in His peace. Amen? And let's stop trying to manufacture it. Now, can I say this? Let me say this in closing. Because I need to say this. Because somebody will take this and get the wrong idea. Are we to grow in our faith? Absolutely. Are we to... Are we to get in the Word of God and allow our life to be influenced by the Word of God? Absolutely. So I don't want anybody coming out leaving this place and saying, oh, I can't never measure up. I, it doesn't mean that we're not supposed to be growing. Amen? It's just me saying, listen, I am thankful that I am not who I used to be. And I'm thankful where I am now, and I'm thankful that God is faithful to get me where he wants me to be. And so I'm striving to do that. And I'm striving to do that not because I'm trying to please Pastor Ricky or somebody else. I'm trying to do that because God loves me and I love the Lord. And I just want that to be known. I want to do it because God loves me. And I want to please him. And therefore, I'm going to pray. I'm going to pray not because somebody told me I need to pray. I'm going to pray because I realize I can't do it without him. Right? I'm going to rejoice not because, I'm gonna, not because I want to uh, pretend this thing. I'm going to rejoice because God really is good to me. And when I stop and think about it, all the worries and the concerns and burdens that I carry, they are not that big a deal considering all that God has done for me and what he has saved me from and delivered me from and all he has planned for me. Rest in that. Rest in that. Stop allowing everything in this world and in your life and in your head to, to control your relationship with the Lord and your relationship with others. Be real. Be real with God. Let's bow our heads. Let's bow.